you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Ships, Tyler, and Hannah. Roll Tide! So stupid. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by SiriusXM. I'm Greg Rosenthal in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and Patrick Claybaugh. Oh, yeah. I should explain that money drop because nobody please? seems to understand it. Uh, what money is referencing there is the franchise The Bachelor and the culmination of the most recent season of The Bachelorette in which uh, Hannah G, who is a alumnus of the University of Alabama, uh, spurned her engagement and elected to go on a single date with the guy that she sent off um, after finding out that her hmm. ex was actually in a secret relationship with an Auburn fan. So this money drop wow. came from David Ely? Potentially, yeah. I mean, I can't think of anyone else in our newsroom that would that it could have come from. Well, it could, could, Andrew, it could have come from me. It, it could Andrew Gruber. <laughs> yeah, there a lot of people know about the Bachelorette, but Alabama, with the exception of Gruber, you know, I don't know. I don't know about Roll Tide. I mean, include I like Groover a lot, but I don't like his his unnecessarily endless <laughs> prattling on about Alabama. We don't need that in our lives. It's a lot, a lot of Alabama pride. It's uh, it's Monday. You know, we're back. Dan Hansis, our our humble host, is gone in New York. <laughs> I don't know why. That's what Rich Eisen always says: "Is I'm your humble host." So that's just an interesting uh, parallel. No, the, the more telling thing is we all started laughing. <laughs> Uh, he is on the East Coast watching the Yankees uh, end the Red Sox season over the weekend, seeing his family. He'll be back on Wednesday. We have three shows this week. Uh, but this is probably the only show where Mark and Wes are wearing the exact same shirt. We are, and it's been it's been months. I want to say at least four months since I've worn this shirt. And it just happened that Mark pulled mm-hmm. his out of the closet on the same day after not wearing it for about Well, four it's months. a very typical, low-level... <laughs> I would argue Caucasian buy at a <laughs> at an outlet, and we both wound up with it. I mean, you have a fashionista significant other working on your behalf. I would suggest that my wife is not so plugged in on my wardrobe, but the fact that every time I think about this shirt, I don't wear it because I've seen you wear it occasionally. And today I said, I'm just going to roll the dice and snake eyes, baby. We're both wearing the same shirt. And this actually is a video show for NFL.com for the eight people watching that. They're just being we met stream with it on, when, on Wednesday. We'll show it on Wednesday. People I think should it's check, a good shirt. Check that out. Yeah, it's a good shirt. I have no good. issue we with you guys wearing the same shirt. We don't need two of them, shirt. though. It's fine. Why? Okay. What's the problem I don't know. with wearing Wes, the same shirt? I mean, Wes feels got, enough to have put a cardigan on. Yeah, he changed it up. <laughs> so. The softball team wears the same shirt. They're all on the same team. Well, this isn't really yeah. an athletic competition. Is it not? Are we not? I mean, a, we are sponsored, so. I think when you start off with The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, you can throw athletic I mean, that's sports, but, but too. To your point, half the softball team doesn't wear the same shirt. You, If you guys were wearing it, too, I get it. But you can't just say half the softball team Clayton, wore their uniform. Claybon's got a similar-ish, you know, checkered blue shirt, which pretty much every this is cooler. guy in 2019 that has to wear button-down shirts to work has some variation. And you are, you're being colorblind. Do you know what color your shirt is, Greg? I can tell you if you don't know. Mine's a blue shirt. There it's we go. Short sleeve. Wrong. Short sleeve shirt. This could be an athletic <laughs> endeavor because Claybon 
might have to sprint down to the newsroom at, at any moment. He has to stay ready. If something goes wrong during Inside Training Camp Live, like someone's audio is not working or whatever, they need Claybon to host at any minute. So if listeners, you'll know what happens if Claybon just yeah, has to Yeah, if, if there's a bye and then you hear the crumbling sound of a mm. microphone, which Mark <laughs> brought up before the show that that might Chair be spinning. stressful. I, I didn't realize it. Yeah, it it's probably takes a toll on my mental state. It's you're like, like a, being, you're like a doctor with a beeper. Right, you're like a fireman. Like ultimately, I've I've talked to I know someone who's a fireman. It's like ultimately, it's a lot of you know sitting around, but you have to stay ready. And then when you when you're called in, it's like it's from zero to a hundred. Yeah. Except there's no lives at stake. It's just like we want the TV to look nice. Yeah. Well, people. But yeah, basically, your livelihood. Basically, at stake. basically you're I'm a first responder. People. Yeah, your son Malcolm's yeah. livelihood at stake. <laughs> uh, we got a big show with Claybon here. Uh, we're gonna go through some news. We're gonna talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame ceremony uh, over the weekend. Some thoughts on that. We're also uh, gonna have a segment, the Week One game, that catches our eyes already. Don't tell me it's too early. We can get excited already for Week One. Absolutely. But, but before uh, we do all that, uh, let's. Let's get into what we're hearing, presented by SiriusXM. Let's do some news. My radio, I got an 80 on Ultimate Team, so I'm going to go play with myself today. So, see how I feel. That came out weird. <laughs> <laughs> Love Quentin Williams, the Jets. Uh, I just hope he never changes. He's, He's the best. He remains funny, and that's a big skill. Like not like every almost every other NFL player would take himself almost too serious to even make that that comment. There's that time for him yet. <laughs> uh, let's uh, go to another NFL player who takes himself you know, somewhat seriously, Tom Brady, and he should. I mean, you win six Super Bowls, you should be able to take yourself seriously. You should be able to get paid handsomely, and he is now. He is getting a $8 million raise for 2019 as part of a three-year contract extension. That's not really an extension. The deal will void on the last day of the new league year, which is March 17, 2020, according to Ian Rappaport. Uh, So he'll be a free agent uh, in 2020, potentially. What do you guys make of Tom Brady's newest contract? Boy, he doesn't want the franchise tag or the transition tag to be in play for next season. That's right. That's part of the deal. That's part of the deal. So the way Rap Sheet put it, it hurt a little bit for both sides to do this deal, but it it helped both sides a little bit because they both got what they wanted is the way Rap Sheet put it. I mean, it definitely helps the Patriots because you don't – I think that Brady's been vastly underpaid for a very long time. And I I also have always wondered if he had married just a normal normal civilian woman uh, as opposed to a supermodel, if he might have asked for more money going back a long way. But at this point, like, they don't need to be trapped or yanked into guaranteed money or future money that may not be there for a player himself. And it makes I, sense. And ultimately, when you've got somebody that's 42 years old, this is we, we've seen a little bit of this uh, with the way that Drew Brees' contract has been handled. It's almost the exact uh, same thing as Drew Brees' yeah. contract, just less money. And so it's something that, yeah, not every NFL player can do it, but not every NFL player is going to be able to play into their early 40s and late 30s in this situation. And I just want to see that second, like that five seconds where we actually <laughs> think that Tom Brady is going to be a free agent. Like if, if people are gonna like send flights, you know, like remember I was trying to 
you know, stir it up when Drew Brees was getting closer, and it did feel like oh, there was, there was like a one in twenty <laughs> chance. And I believe that with Tom Brady, I, I think Matt Patricia's going to be on his doorstep at midnight. It's a, it's shocking how many things we say on this podcast and on TV of like where we are just we say with utter confidence. When the NFL has treated us, you never say never against anything. Is it possible that Tom Brady could play for another team with a, a number of different circumstances? I think it's possible. I think it's very unlikely. But I think this contract was interesting in that giving a guy a raise, just an $8 million raise out of nowhere, is rare. But that's what the Patriots did with Tom Brady a year ago. And setting up the contract so that he's going to hit free agency almost no matter what. They can't sign him to another contract before then is really rare. And I think it's both sides a little bit staring each other down. I think Tom Brady would like to have more guaranteed money, but he's not really committing to playing past this year. I don't think he's he's told the Patriots he's definitely doing that. And I think Bill Belichick likes the idea that if he gets hurt or if he's terrible in 2019, that they could cut him or that they wouldn't, bring him back I think or that it would reach a natural end I think he likes that uh, that out I think that's all part of it doesn't this particular relationship it's uh, it's also you want to call it unprecedented it's different than any other quarterback team relationship because I think that Tom Brady maybe he's a little peeve not on you know not publicly to get that extension has a relationship with Robert Kraft where no one's going to do the other side wrong. I would love to see like Mike Vrabel sneak in and like make a call and pull Tom Brady down to Tennessee for a year or something, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. The streets would, would actually run red with blood. Like there would be, there would be real consequences for Tom Brady playing somewhere else. And uh, I just, why not? It, I, I, I can't imagine it. He was but a little yeah, nonplussed, though. Let's do it. So he spoke to the media before Ian's report about the voidable years came out. And listening to him, I was like, you know what? He He's a little ambivalent about this. He said, it is what it is. That's a good line. And then he has a big pause, almost thinking of what he's going to say. Whoever said it, it's very pertinent. Like I said, there's a lot of guys who have one year left on his contract. So the si- situation is, I've got one year to go, and we'll see what happens. And he said, I'm basically like any other player that's having to prove himself, you know, and he's on a year-to-year basis. And that's that's probably been true of Brady for a year or two, the way that Bill Belichick is. But I do think it's interesting because the way that it was presented in the media and even from Brady last week, Tom Curran had a really smart piece that Belichick almost puts this to the side. Like Brady put it on Kraft. And I think this has worked out, and there's no way to know this, but reading between the lines, I think this has worked out between Brady and Kraft. And Belichick is fine with that because it's Tom Brady. But it's almost like there's a little bit of something still going on there. Maybe, but I also think think on the spectrum of wanting to talk about money, you've got Jalen Ramsey and his Brinks truck and, you know, megaphones. And then on the other end, you've got Tom Brady at the end of his career not wanting to have it be a big news item, probably. This is the same guy who voluntarily moved $27 million in guarantees to $24 million in non-guarantees a few years ago. I mean, I I just don't buy that he's like – Really ticked off at the Patriots. Oh, no, because I don't. Of the situation I agree with you. I'm that. not saying that either. But no. I think, I think in a perfect world, this contract in his world, it, any contract negotiation that's typical that someone wants more than they get, and I think he wanted more than than he maybe got in this in this case. But as Mark said, it's a unique situation. And if if we wanted to start the Greg Rosenthal and Patrick Claybon performance weightlifting center, Whoa. it would be tough for us to put it in Patriot place 
you know, hundreds of feet away oh. from, from Gillette Stadium. <laughs> I mean, for multiple reasons. Yeah, but, but, but yeah. the TB12 Performance Center is there, and it's it's there because the relationship between Tom and well, the they're ownership gonna, is, a, is pretty good. And, well, yeah, they're partners for life. I mean, that, that was the thing that I, Earl Thomas said about Pete Carroll. I, I don't know if – I think this was public. Uh, essentially, like, this guy's essentially – torching our relationship when we're going to be partners for life we're going to be champions for life we're going to be meeting and doing sponsorship things and getting together with the 20th anniversary team and that's Earl Thomas and Pete Carroll like Bill Bell especially Robert Kraft and Tom Brady are essentially business partners for the next I, here's years. where I could get, see it get thorny is when Tom Brady comes for Scott Zolak's color analyst job <laughs> that's when it gets ugly I, I just uh, I want to see Tom you know if Tom Brady just has an unbelievable season, and then he gets to free agency and just holds the Patriots over a barrel. I think he. Why would, are you rooting I think he would enjoy for? That. Why are you rooting for this consternation between the two? It's like an abusive relationship. Greg. What? No, I think <laughs> it just doesn't seem to exist. Abused. I just think if anyone deserves a little bit of just break all the rules, it's Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like just give him, just give him the guaranteed money. Mess up your salary cap a little next year. The, the Tom Brady built. I don't. Tom Brady built that. What state, are you talking you know? about? How the, big does his yacht have to be? The fairy tale ending to a true <laughs> underdog story. Tom Brady against uh, all odds. Another <laughs> underdog story. Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, who was talking about him as a third round pick a few years ago? Now he's the, one of the best pass rushers in the league. He ended his holdout uh, over the weekend with the Jaguars. And he said, I'm ready to play. And he's not expecting to get a new contract. He'll play for about $2 million this year in the fourth year of his rookie deal. Patrick Claibon, little Ngakwe heat. Um, I, I, unfortunately, with his soundbite, when he came back, he invoked it is what it is, which mm. I always can't stand. But um, the holdout kind of answered his question. Like, if the Jags wanted to commit to him long-term, they could have done it, but they don't. They draft Josh Allen in the first round, and it kind of seems like he's on his way out. But in, in terms mm. of production, sack production, his numbers are up there in the first three years with, with Bosa and Khalil Mack. Uh, I mean, they're better than Bosa's. What if, well, he's out, he's not nearly the run stuffer that any of these guys are. Yeah, his production elsewhere isn't that, so that's his problem. But he, they, have, they had him out there for 74% of the snaps last year. So it's not like he's some situational guy. No. What if they do want to extend him, but he wants twenty million instead of say fifteen yeah, million? It, it's, right. We don't oh, have the backstory. It sounded like they were approaching twenty million, even with the guarantees. He probably, if I'm him, you would want to have D Ford contract or better. He's been a better player than D Ford consistently. Uh, I'd much rather and, have D Ford. And I think Jack really because yes. I wouldn't just because he's had one year out of four where, no, he helped, he said where, he, where he helped your team. He had about one and a half. He had half of He played at a provable level in two different seasons. The, I think the Jaguars would have signed him to this contract if it wasn't for Blake Bortles and Malik Jackson and Telvin Smith. I mean, they have $25 million in dead money that Tom Coughlin's basically burned of Shad Khan's. I mean, they are paying... You know they were they were paying Blake Bortles more money than the Patriots were paying Tom Brady going into this weekend before that race. So like they've they've wasted a lot of their money. They have some cap That's issues, insane. and uh, I think that that got in his way. But eventually he'll get paid. He'll, he reminds me a little bit of Demarcus Lawrence, who had to wait next year, but then I think situationally got more. Yeah, got more money than he would have. Anyways, uh, uh, another man who's, who's made a lot of money. Colt McCoy. Not enough, if you ask me, is your son's namesake, Mark Sessler, Colt McCoy. 
Cole yeah. McCoy's made a lot of money. He, oh, I yeah. mean, he's made compared to, to Mark Sessler. I mean, yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> he's, yeah, I was gonna say he's probably made more, and I don't know, you know, than all of the generations of our families going back 200 years. I would guess, you know, I don't know. Uh, he's made a lot of money, Colt McCoy. Uh, we haven't opened the books on Claybun yet, but I'm, ass- I'm assuming that's true. Yeah, I don't think we're getting to thirteen thirteen million eight hundred ninety one thousand seven hundred thirty. Yeah, I mean that that's a lot. Uh, he's on top of the Redskins depth chart. Uh, the they make them release a depth chart before the first preseason week. Are you excited, Mark Sessler? I mean, I, I think if anything, Colt McCoy has earned the trust of the coaching staff and is the perfect guy to slot in in this position for your first depth chart, which I feel like we've learned over the years here meets means literally nothing at all. <laughs> I think if you're Did if you're you Jay Groot and you want the you want the you want Dwayne Haskins yeah. to shine in the preseason, take the week one starting job and save Jay Gruden's job. Colt McCoy is not saving anyone's job. Did you see Jay Gruden's quotes on this? I did not. I'm not allowed to read Jay, <laughs> Jay Gruden's. I think it's like Jay Glazer. I'm not Jay allowed Gruden. to read Jay Glazer because of Dan, but yeah. Yeah, it's early, and I was forced to make it. I wouldn't have made a depth chart right now. There's no reason to. It's silly. It's words on a piece of paper, names on a piece of paper, and an order that means nothing at this point. So is he is he rebelling against the conversation by doing this? I, or I think so. I mean, rebelling? he's rebelling against uh, – no, I think that they make them do it for the preseason game because a lot of them go out of their way to just make them total nonsense. Like some of these – there's guys – I'm thinking of one on the – I think it was Alliance. It's played like guys playing completely different positions, and they're still listed at their old positions. Like Colt McCoy, by all accounts, actually has probably been third in terms of first team reps. That Case Keenum has probably had the most, and Haskins probably the next most. But they are rotating all three. I, I mean, I would argue the Lions should spend less time on <laughs> on you know, death chart antics and maybe more on producing a team that is watchable. Should this be mandated if only half the coaches are even following the spirit of the rule? It's a good question. I, I, uh, I've had this theory, though, back – I like it because it's supporting something I, I've written about a couple times this offseason, that I think Colt McCoy's got a pretty good chance to start week one. Not because of this, but I just think Jay Gruden's probably looks at it like this is my last chance to start Colt McCoy week one, and I've always wanted to. Like, there's a reason I keep paying him $6 million. I like him, and it just feels like Haskins going to come in week three or four for someone – but if I'm Jay Gruden, I'd probably just want it to be Colt McCoy, not Case Keenum. But hold on, though. A year ago, that's you know the Browns started Tyrod Taylor, and where the coaching staff was has been flamed since for not starting the better player. What if well, the rookie comes in in week three? Well, and the you, Browns you put, did not open the competition. And if Haskins is truly just blowing the doors off, in I'm the just saying if it's he's, he's going right. to start. But I just think Gruden loves McCoy and probably yeah. sees it like, I'm going to prove everyone right. This is why I've kept him for so yeah, long. He's running out of time to love these decisions. That's all. You better start the better quarterback. That's and what I'm br- saying. Brown's situation is most similar to the Giants, where they've just decided it's Eli's job. The other guy can't compete for it. It, it is close to that, disturbingly. I remember I mean, it was. back when Case was acquired, there was the storyline that that was a surprise to Jay that he wasn't necessarily yes. involved in those discussions. It seemed and like then, Haskins was a little bit. Yeah, right. and then Dwayne was the same situation. So I can see Jay, a guy who would create a fraudulent depth chart to stick it to the people, would also <laughs> just start the quarterback to stick it to the front office that he seems to be in constant consternation with the, despite the fact that he's one of the longest so it's, tenured it's, coaches it's, in the it's NFL It's like a total now. suicide mission at this point. <laughs> Didn't it feel like all these guys had a 33% chance when camp opened? 
That's yeah. what it felt yeah. like. Yeah. I don't remember that, ever having a quarterback competition where it was even hmm, across no. the board. But Gruden has yeah. spoken glowingly about Haskins. Yeah, a few I times think too. Haskins has a little better than the other guys, just because yeah. if he excels in the preseason, they're going to start. Him. But those they, people they who love Case, man, they love yes, Case. They do. I mean, they yeah, and they <laughs> and Jay Gruden is one of them. They they can they can uh, they combine to make less than ten million dollars. So when you know, according to everyone who says, well, the key is having your a quarterback on a rookie contract. The, the Redskins should be the best team in the league. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's that's the news. We're gonna get to some of the quieter uh, elements of camp news uh, a little later with eight o'clock delight. But we did have some sad news uh, that we found out over the weekend. Uh, a couple of. People passed away in the NFL world. The first coming really to light when the Hall of Fame ceremony was happening in Canton. And that was Cliff Branch, the the great Oakland Raiders receiver passing away at the age of 71. And the, and the timing, I mean, it he had 14 seasons. Uh, a lot of people that saw him play believe he's one of the most underrated players ever. And he was maybe the first name I thought of when the news was announced last week that they're going to open up the 2020 Hall of Fame class to 20 people. And people immediately said, oh, now here's Torrey Holt's chance or Isaac. No, the modern era candidates, it's not changing at all. It's five just like normal. But what they're going to do is bring in 10 uh, players that have been passed over that normally would go to the seniors committee. And Cliff Branch, who was an all-decades player, I believe, to me is probably one of the highest guys on that list, and I and I suspect will be entering Canton. And it's and it's sad that it's going to be posthumous. He, he passed away at the age of 71. One of the best deep threats in NFL history. The best wide receiver in the NFL from 1974 to 76 at a time when receiving stats were way low because it was before the Mel Blunt, Mel Blunt role and cornerback could just take you out down the field. Um, but he was he was their best offensive weapon on those Madden-era Raiders that seemed to be fighting the Steelers for the right to go to the Super Bowl every year. And it was it was Madden who, because I, a lot of people feel like he has been kept out of the Hall of Fame unfairly for a long time and to, to for the reasons you just stated, Wes. And it was Madden who basically said, it is going to happen to you. And this quote they found is 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 jarring because he basically said, Cliff, Cliff Branch said, I am not dying until I get in the Hall of Fame. Once I get the call, get that gold jacket in that ring, I could die the next day, but I'm going to stay alive for that deserving honor to come my way. So, I mean, for it to happen probably about a year before it happens is yeah. ill-timing. And, and Cliff Branch kind of flies in the face of people who think about football before the 90s or in the early 80s is like, oh, you know, it's guys who wouldn't necessarily be able to f- function in today's game. This is a, a guy who's about six feet, like 180 pounds, ran a, a 10 flat 100 meters in college. Like this was a, a explosive dude. He averaged 17.3 yeah. yards per catch for his career. Just bonkers. It, there was a five-year period where he led the NFL in receiving, and that's why it's so tricky to look back at numbers and it's like, of course he has like way less numbers than let's say like Steve Smith Jr. has or something. But when he led the NFL in receiving for five years, it's basically like a dead ball era. Uh, like the baseball has a dead ball era where there wasn't home runs. The NFL had that with passing and, and you can't, you can't hold that against Cliff Branch. It's cool that the Raiders wore his number today at practice mm-hmm. as a tribute. Um, and then a- another passing, unfortunately that happened this weekend that we learned about on Sunday was former Sports Illustrated writer Don Banks, who I think all of us know, or I, I know Wes and, and Mark know in this room, 
personally kind of came out of nowhere. He was in Canton covering uh, the Hall of Fame ceremonies for the Las Vegas Review Journal, where his first column actually uh, debuted on on Sunday, and they f- they found him in his room, and, and he passed away of natural causes. Really sad. Like that, like one of the nicest guys, one of the guys where you know when I was starting at Roto World and NBC, just like a bigger national guy that goes out of his way to ask if you need anything, and and kept up a relationship over the years when like he didn't have to do that. Yeah, there aren't that in this in the in the world that we work in in sports. I think like sports writers are get a bad reputation for being jerks a lot of times, and I find that to be untrue often. A lot of the older guys are some of the competitiveness. They see it from a different perspective, and 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 you know when the news hit, and it was it was yesterday when you found out like one person after the after the next tweeted about their personal run with Don Banks, where they might have been fighting with him for a story or just learning the ropes, age, gender, it didn't matter what, where they were in their career, he, he was, there's all these stories about him lending a helping hand unselfishly. And I had it this one night, and I didn't know him very well at all, but there was a night when I was covering a, the Browns, and it was right after the Hall of Fame, and I was in Cleveland, and I saw him in a hotel lobby, and I wanted to walk up and talk to him, but he was with his son, and he was having this, what I could tell, this amazing conversation with his son, who, one of his sons is a journalist now, so I don't know which one it was. He has two sons in their, like, eight, in their teens or 20s. He was with them and brought them to these events, and it just seemed like they were having this awesome dad-son moment. I'm like, I'm not going to go interrupt that right now. But it is this thing where when this happens, like he's left behind two boys who are not young children. But I remember being 20-something, and I've still needed my dad a hundred times since. And that's that's where it just it hurts a lot. Well, we talked about the shame of, of the timing with Cliff, Cliff Branch, who might get into the Hall of Fame at a time when he can't even savor that spotlight and – Don Banks, the timing on a guy who was a magazine writer in the internet era and had to kind of remarket himself in his 50s and figure out what he was going to do with his life and how he was going to remain relevant, he finally got his, I wouldn't say his dream job, but he got the job with the Las Vegas Review Journal writing for the NFL an overview of the league, and his first column came out Sunday about hard knocks. It's a really good column about what the Raiders coaches now face that the Browns coaches That's face last year. From Todd Haley. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he told Peter King, I'm back, baby. And then that was that day. He, he didn't wake up. Hmm. So Dodd Banks uh, passed away at the age of, of 57. We, you know, we send our thoughts to, to his family and all, all his close friends. And, and that news happened in Canton. I mean, he was there in Canton, it, it was a, a sad cap to the week on what weekend, which was, you know, a very sad uh, weekend in this country in general. But but in Canton, there were great moments, and you know there were as always. It's cool to see uh, the guys getting getting their bus and how seeing how much it means to them, and the interaction between the Hall of Famers, and then hearing them speak. Patrick, did you have? Any takeaways uh, watching the the ceremony on Saturday? It, the I guess my takeaway was either I I understand the hall a little bit more as the guys that I associate with my adolescence and my coming to football as they start to make mm. it in, and I've I've always felt that Ed Reed and, and Champ Bailey were were some of the best uh, football players that I'd ever seen. And to, to see them up there on that stage, it was kind of like, I'm starting to get it. 
yeah, a, a little bit more because I, I've seen the hall and the consternation with with To and and there's other things that have pushed me away from maybe leaning into it as as much as as other people have. But now I I, I see it more. You know, the, these are the jerseys that I had, the guys that that I wanted to watch. Uh, Did every you have an Ed Sunday. Reed jersey? Yeah, I had wow. an Ed Reed because not that I was this Miami fan, but in the the Boston College game. Uh, in 2001, when it was close, Boston College is on the 20. They throw an interception to a D lineman, and Ed Reed takes it from him <laughs> in the most like impossibly dangerous situation. Like, what are you doing? And returns it for a touchdown. And it's like, that's the- yes, <laughs> that that's like a- that's what I want for myself. That's and- maybe like the perfect Ed Reed play if there yeah. is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, to to see those guys go in. And obviously the way Champ Bailey uh, ended his speech, um, you know, imploring people to listen uh, to us when we when we say this is what's happening in the world to to at least listen. And I appreciate that because, I mean, as you guys know, I'm I'm probably people would probably say the, the way I feel about things are extreme. And so whenever guys can bridge that gap and make it a little more easy for people to accept the way I feel mm-hmm. a, about our planet, um, I like that. So shout out to Champ for that. That was the number one moment for me was Champ Bailey's speech, and specifically that part of it mentions, like, you're used to seeing us size and aggression, football players, especially the black football players, and here he is with a forum asking humbly, very humbly, when we tell you there are many challenges we face because of the color of our skin, please listen. Um, when, he, when we say about our fears, and our fears for our children, please listen. And I was raised white Catholic. Well, there was one black kid in my high school, um, no Jews, no Hispanics. There was one Democrat in my grade school class. It was the opposite of diversity. And moving to Los Angeles, to me, my favorite part of California is that diversity. You can talk about the weather, the scenery, it's the diversity. And getting to speak to people and listening my friends I grew up with are good people, but they don't have diversity in their lives. So they don't even get a chance to really listen to friends, to loved ones. They listen to polit- politicians. They listen to people on TV. But uh, to me, that was a very important part of our national discussion. Please listen. Hmm. They, have, they have stories to tell that you will never know. I thought the other stories that were told as well, that, that, that well, I feel like you learn, if it's someone, even if you think you know who Ed Reed is, and there's a lot of content about Ed Reed over the years. Like I just loved hearing how he got even to college and to the NFL. And he, you know, he points out someone like his teacher, Miss Hall, who he'd lived with for a while and who saw him through so much. He did, he went out of his way to name every equipment manager that he worked <laughs> with, which I thought he was a completist in the sense of his thankfulness. And he dug in so deep with his mom and his dad, you know, raised in West. Maybe think of you a little bit like he was in a one-bedroom apartment with four boys. That wasn't your case, but you had, you had six other brothers. That's yeah. a lot. I have two boys in my house, and I feel like the, the roof's popping off all the time. <laughs> but Ed Reed just showed this incredible appreciation. And Give even the barbers someone, a shout-out. The barber. And, you know, we think we know, for instance, like who Chuck Pagano is based on his minor run with the Colts, and we've, we've got the book on Chuck Pagano. And then you hear from Ed Reed that it was Chuck Pagano that taught, that recruited him. That, that fostered a relationship with him, that taught him how to be a DB first. It's like these guys, and it, it hits a little bit on Gilbrand too, telling little stories about Bill Belichick catching passes from 
Staubach on the, you know, on prep during practice when his father was around and stuff. That Gilbrand had all these little innuendos and people that he wove into it as well. Their history, these guys have been around the game for 40, 50 years. You've got to take a step back when you've only been looking at it and covering it for a shorter amount of time from the outside. They know things we'll never know and have seen things we'll never see. And I, I'm, I'm glad that they have this forum, forum to do this because like football culture kind of states that you should keep your nose to the grindstone and just say the exact thing that you're doing. And it sucks that we have to wait five years until after Champ Bailey retires hmm. for him to provide his thoughts on yeah. this topic or any topic in particular. I, I wish there was – and maybe maybe it's different now with social media and we're able to get this, but it just feels unfortunate that we have to wait so long to be exposed to these great ideas and great men hmm. um, until until this point. Well, well yeah, why, most why of them had no forum. They did yeah. not have Twitter. They did not have any way to communicate anything outside there's always of their like a, media availability. There's always like an awkward or funny moment, and I'm going to have uh, Erica play, play the one from Ed Reed <laughs> that really stuck out to me. I'd like to thank that organization, Steve Bashadi, Ozzy Newsom, Coach Belichick, his oh, staff. Okay. Coach Harbs and staff. <laughs> Too many people to mention. It's tough. You feel you feel because it's just man, he I meant to say guys, Brian Billick. That's fine. He meant to say Brian and they even, Billick. Yeah. And that, it's tough because if you're you're up there and he's gonna realize that afterwards and he's gonna he's gonna be annoyed about it. It's like, but you can't you can't change you can't take it back. That's it. That was Brian <laughs> Billick's. That was it. That, I also thought Reed was getting like booed here and there. Belichick. Huh. Reed was getting booed here and there by a heavy Browns crowd and Canton, Ohio crowd. And also, I mean, you got Bengals fans coming up. And he basically said, listen, I love the Browns and the Bengals. I respect those organizations. You guys gave me 30 interceptions. He's like, it's not my fault you kept changing quarterbacks. And like, come on, this guy's a good sport. Like I thought he'd, his speech was my favorite of the group. I, I My favorite was Ty Laws, which shouldn't be a surprise. Like a lot of Patriots fans, Ty Law was my, the fav, my favorite player on the 2001 team uh, that, that won their first Super Bowl. And I thought it was so cool that he is the first guy in from all those Patriots teams to the Hall of Fame. Even That was you know, almost 20 years ago that they won that Super Bowl. But he's the first one. And I just find it delightful because there's no, there's been no one else in Patriots history like like Ty Law. It's funny because it, he talked a little bit about the Patriot way. I mean, if there's ever a player that did not fit what they talk about with the Patriot way, it's Ty Law. I mean, it's Ty Law's way. Ty Law was drafted by Bill Parcells. He was an all-pro and probably played his best football under Pete Carroll, and he made sure... Uh, to to mention Pete Carroll and how important Pete Carroll was to him. And then he won his two Super Bowls with Bill Belichick. And so that's like the start of modern Patriots history. And he had all those three guys, and he was a badass. And he talked about how Belichick would let him do it his way and that, you know, after a couple mistakes, then you come and do it my way, you know. And he was a guy who kind of, you know, was cocky and physical and confident. He's the guy that got Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft to dance on the stage in 2001. He's the one that didn't like quite fit in, but he was also the best player on that team. And he was the leader, I would say, of that defense in 2001. And because of that, maybe that's why, you know, Belichick said bye for for kind of the end of his career. 
but watching him play, like he he was the embodiment to me of Parcells almost on the field. When when Parcells was the coach and he came in with that sort of cockiness and changed the whole franchise, like Ty Law changed it on the field. He was and, a and he said that Bar- Bill Parcells threatened to cut him as the one of the only first round <laughs> cuts in camp if he didn't get his act together too. So, and it's funny to hear because Demarcus Ware has. Bill Parcells stories as well. It's funny how many great players have like a Bill Parcells was threatening me story. And Adam Vinatieri like, so, will be yeah. another Hall of Famer yeah, so that he like, threatened to cut. Either he's not that good or he's just a jerk. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, it's like in a million years he would have never cut Ty Law, but yeah, he's just well, making that threat. Other coaches might have more wins and more Super Bowls, but to me, and Mark's the same age, he's the iconic coach from that era. Oh yeah. The writers all loved him because no one spoke like Bill Perth. Nobody's as funny as him. Nobody's as candid as him. And the players all loved him. Yeah, he, he said it. He was like Bill Par- Law said Parcells was the guy that got inside my head and motivated me, and, and Belichick's the one that just like gave me the X's and O's. So uh, a great Hall of Fame ceremony. As you mentioned, Gil Brandt um, did a great job thanking everyone on his speech. Didn't and, thank and us, e- though. Everyone else. <laughs> Thought he could have maybe mentioned. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've worked um, on them for a while. But, you know, been, you know, this is the part of the show where if Dan was here, he would be saying, this is the longest news segment we've ever had. <laughs> and you know what? It's not even over because it's time for a little 8 o'clock delight. Ricky. Houston Texans cut 2017 third-round pick Dante Foreman. Wes, what do you think? No running back has come back successfully from an Achilles surgery in the history of the NFL. It should also be noted that no star running back has ever suffered an Achilles injury in the NFL. Yikes. Uh, Antonio Brown has barely practiced at Raiders camp. He's got a foot issue, had to check out a specialist. Patrick Claibon, uh, what's your level of concern here? Um, heavy, I guess. Blisters are a pain. And like, when do, you, when do they get fixed? Like, you, it just takes time. So, not, like, he can't do anything until he can use his feet. Not a not a good-looking foot right now. Josh no. Rosen, he's a nice-looking young man, and he had a nice scrimmage on Saturday. Apparently had some big throws. This competition's not over yet, Mark Sessler. I mean, I think he must have heard our, to our show on Friday where we kind of said, let's go, let's get this guy going. And I, if he's not starting week one, I think it's a major disappointment. He's a second-year first-round quarterback, please. Wes, your boy, Levante David, underwent surgery. He's going to be out a few weeks. Big difference maker for that defense. And meniscus surgery, that's something that stays with you through your career, and I believe it's what ended Torrey Holt's career. Mm, That is a young, young defense in Tampa. The Pats signed Cam Meredith. I liked him when he signed in New Orleans. Who knows if he's healthy? Nice. I would now like to uh, issue a public apology to, uh, what is his first name? Grugier Hill. Is it Kamu? Kamu. Kamu Grugier-Hill. You were supposed to be part of 8 O'Clock Delight. That oh, you took a lot of notes there. But, I had a lot to say. Yeah, I was frantically Googling but it. But is this the timing? Do we really need to go back? So, sorry. Let's Kamu. see where we are in a week with that situation. Good call. We have a segment, and uh, it's called The Week One Game. I don't know. Do, should we workshop the segment? We, I mean, in terms of the title? Like this, this would be a good time branding. to come up with a good title here during the I mean, the show. it's ultimately the week one game that catches my eye. You know, it's it's early. It's August. We've kind of got this long training camp in front of us still. Four weeks of the preseason left to go. We're actually, guys, I don't know if you know this, the NFL season is 28 weeks long. Ah. We are, it, it starts with camp. We are through two weeks of it. 
two weeks. I count that first week of training camp. That kind of gives it more perspective. I, I yeah. like that idea. Yeah, it's, it's a little over half a year. We're through two. The next four are some of the most challenging. Who needs to talk more about camp in the preseason? We'll do that plenty. Let's talk about the regular season and a game that is just getting us excited. Don't tell us it's too early. It's not too early. This is the first time I've gotten excited about football since probably last December. <laughs> really? <laughs> What about uh, the Patriots-Chiefs uh, uh, AFC yeah, okay. championship game? That was a great game. How January. about the Saints? Oh, he's keeping it real. No, You know, you playoff. checked out at some point. How about, how about Super Bowl the- didn't really excite me, but the, but some of the playoff games How did. about every game the Saints played, basically? Saints-Steelers no, not the last was of the one of the best – was maybe the best game of the year. Uh, the Saints-Eagles was a terrific game. And then Saints the Rams. NFC championship game was not the best game, but it was exciting. Both Saints-Rams games were good. Yeah, come on. Good stuff. So Football. Wes is we excited like again. I guess let's start with Wes then. That, that we He has a week one game. What, what's getting you started? Well, so many different ways I could go. But let me start with Rams at Panthers. I like these matchups that kind of make a statement at the beginning of the year. How good is this team? And I think the Panthers, I'm looking at them to be the, Pan- the Panthers that they were in the first half of last season when they looked like a legitimate playoff contender. And their defensive line is better now. Some of their skill position players are better. So can a guy like Curtis Samuel, uh, can he make a kind of leap like Christian McCaffrey did last year? So to me, that's a good litmus test going against the NFC representative from the Super Bowl, the Rams. I would not consider the Rams a heavy favorite in that game. I think it's a statement game for the Rams and a little tiny bit where like I know the preseason is going to answer some questions. And I feel like the Rams of, of any team in the league has like, we're going to do this, but we're going to tell you this all off season. Just a lot of mixed messages, and they're the team with some mysteries still out there. Todd Gurley, obviously, what will he, his workload be? They've got Daryl Henderson in the backfield. And Jared Goff, let's have a huge game after a totally disappointing Super Bowl, but you're on the road. And I think, as, as, I think it was Greg chronicling the early season Andrew Luck plan last year where he wasn't throwing deep as much. It, it was a notable difference from the way he played. It, it seems like Carolina might be heading down that path. Oh, remember where, how freaked out we were when they brought in Brissett to throw the Hail Mary yeah, pass? Yeah, it's like, oh, it's, it's yeah. over. Yeah, it's a, we don't know if Andrew Luck <laughs> will ever be Andrew Luck again. But he, he slowly worked himself back. And if you look at the timelines, I think it lines up with Cam where he might play like that to start the season. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I would like to see, because obviously we want to see Cam ripping fastballs to the sideline. Uh, but we're not going to see that in week one. I mean, so I can't believe Cam's 30. Doesn't Cam being 30 make you feel a little old? You know, we started the podcast, what, two no. years after he was drafted? It just feels like that doesn't make you feel old. There are almost the can- everything in my life now. Cam Newton's age, he still looks young. Not tracking Ace Boogie's age at this point. <laughs> I mean, any moment on Twitter makes me feel ancient. Hmm. So I'll say that right off the bat. I, yeah, I'm I'm more in on the Panthers because of All or Nothing. And Cam, and I kind of liked All or Nothing. It just reminded it. me how since Cam's come in the league, I've like just he's one of the most exciting players to watch. But now this new crop is here, and it's like don't forget about Cam. Do you know why people are down on this All or Nothing season? Well, Dan mentioned the timing's a little off. They need to nail down that. But it's more about football than drama, and that's why people don't like it's it. It's a good show. Yeah, and the football's – in the past, it is a good show. I think it suffers in comparison to Last Chance You, which comes out at the same time. And maybe not many people watch both. I don't know. I watch both. And it's like Last Chance You, the stakes are so high that it just make you know, whereas All or Nothing, it's like, I, I know it's professional and they're making a lot of money. It's like, but Last Chance You is so well done and asks some 
interesting questions about football and, and the world and everything, and it's life or death, and then all or nothing. It's like, hey, are we going to win a game or not? Like, it's hard to feel like that's that big of a deal. And you, you don't really have too many spoilers for junior college football, well, but, but in terms too. of watching <laughs> – in terms of watching the Panthers, you know, play the Falcons in Week Seven, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I know yeah. what happens here. Yeah, I, I usually half the time I'm watching these games, like, who wins this game? I kind of yeah. forget who won Redskins Panthers. I had to watch it to remember. Um, another thing I I forgot and uh, have to remember this is, segment is a big time <laughs> ad read. Usually it would come before the segment, but you know what? We want everyone to listen to our ad read, so we're going to put it right in the middle of the segment. Take it away, Claybon. Well, you know. A lot of people out there are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's for financial reasons or societal reasons. Um, you know, it could be a knee injury, a bad back, something worse. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there that are probably comfortable, you know, gritting your teeth, rubbing some dirt on it uh, instead of going to see a doctor. Um, but the same is true for erectile dysfunction. And studies show that 70% of guys who experience ED don't seek treatment for it. Uh, thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online on the internet.com. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED from the comfort of your home and handle everything online in a convenient and discreet manner. Just get roman.com slash around mm. and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides the treatment would be appropriate, they will prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in a discreet package right to your door, free two-day shipping. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's important to get checked out. And with Roman, getting checked out is easy. Hmm. Just go to GetRoman.com slash around to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash around. GetRoman.com slash around. Hmm. I mean, that's that's a professionally done ad read right there, those pipes. That's why they put them on TV. That's why they – I'm sure you noticed your voice was in All or Nothing. At one point. Oh, yeah. Keisha and like I news were breaking. like, hey, Claybon's on All or Nothing. What was the news? I don't think it showed your face, but it was Thomas Davis coming back from suspension, I remember. They were just like, Thomas Davis, you know. Shout out to Jeff Bezos. Yeah. I'll take it all back. I'll get some shine. Well, you didn't get paid for that or anything. No. no but yeah. Oh, yeah. You're on there. What's I, up? It, I JV, hit me up. I recently watched it, so I think that's either episode three or four. If it you, was in the first go, few seasons. You go, or first few episodes. If you want to go check it out. I am a fan now. All oh, right. Yeah. Back to the segment. It's the week one game. <laughs> that catches our eye. That we're excited about. Mark, what's up? I think for me, it's, you know, I'm not going to fake that all these games interest me, but it's week one, so every team is new. So there is a part of, there's an element of fascination I want to see Detroit at Arizona. I can't believe mm. I'm including Detroit in anything where I'd say I'm super into it, but it's two diametrically opposed philosophies. You feel like Detroit wants to run the ball as much as anyone in the league. They want to use their run-stuffing defense and just play an old-school style of football. But then we're going to get our first look at the Cardinals under Cliff Kingsbury running their 4-5 wide offense and whatever happens. Because I, I, I'm hoping that even though you're going to have to show some of it in the preseason, it won't be that unlike, you know, and it's a totally different scheme than when Chip Kelly came in in week one and no one still had any real idea what they were going to do. And he flamed the Redskins for like 35 points in the first half of that Monday night football game. I just want to see what happens in this. And if it works, I think the most interesting offense coming into the NFL this this year is Arizona. We've talked about it endlessly. And the my, my advice to the Lions, because I was thinking about how, 
you know, I used to play, everyone talks about Madden, but I used to play Tech Mobile against my brother, and he would mm. be Dan Marino and the Dolphins in the, one most, in the most popular edition. You can just throw these bombs up and down the field and score at will. So I would get a run-heavy team like the Giants or the Raiders, and I would run the ball for six yards, and I'd let 30 <laughs> seconds tick down. And the quarters are a minute and a half. So That had to be annoying for your brother. <laughs> oh, I drove him nuts. I gave him like one possession in the first half and scored like 14 points. Then opened the, I got the ball in the second half, went down the field, scored another touchdown. Eric Sessler's wondering how to climb out of a 21 nothing hole, and then he gets the ball for maybe 18 seconds in the second half too. That's how you squeeze him out. It's like a python. It's not really optimal. Ball video control, game. baby. <laughs> not really optimal video game entertainment. Well, it's a take no, no, take right. no is it, prisoner is scenario. To try to like be fun or no? Well, we no, played like 12,000 games. Costs. I had to get serious. So. <laughs> I, I am too surprised. Uh, I think that's going to be your game then on the after. I'm already thinking about assignments. Well, you know. You're gonna, I'm surprised the lines are included in that, but I'm with you. Like Week one's my favorite week. Of the season because it's the first time you're seeing so many different things and I'm gonna that'll be one of the first games I turn on on, on Game Pass is because I want to see Kyler Murray. Yep. yep. Styles make fights, but nobody's really usually watching the Bantam weight plays. <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, it's the Cardinals and Lions. You don't know. You <laughs> don't know. You really don't. Well, the Cardinals are a what big are those, story. Come on. What are the chances one of those teams makes the playoffs? Well, you know, well, well, that's the thing. It's it, Week one, a lot of it all, among the teams that we don't consider contenders is like a tournament for our attention. Right. And so, that's like, a good point. The, win, the winner of that game gets like, you know, a little bit of side eye for the next week. And then maybe eventually four weeks from then we'll be, all right, time to watch the Lions. Right. Like the Bills-Jets, which is not my choice, but – for years, that's always been such a boring game. And in week one, you're right. It's kind of like which one of those teams gets out to a fast. I'm excited to watch both of those teams because of the quarterback in general and Le'Veon Bell. But it's like those, one of those teams smells like a team that's going to be three and one at the end of September and gets a lot of attention throughout the year because of that. And it's like, all right, which what one? if Frank Gore scores the winning touchdown on his old coach, Adam Gates? There's a lot of little wrinkles <laughs> yeah. going on. There. They say Gore is looking pretty good in camp right now. Of course he is. He's going to get TJ Yeldon cut. <laughs> Claybon, what what game are you choosing? Uh, in round one of my tournament for attention, uh, literally because the segment name worked for me. Okay. I, I was scrolling through week one, looking for something to catch my eye. Bruce Arians returns as a head coach against Jimmy G, returning from a torn cruciate. Mm. On the East Coast, I, I'm I'm down. I'm ready to see just just to have an answer of this era of 49ers. Like, what are you going to be? What are you going to accomplish? And to just see how Bruce is back and, and we're brash and the Kangol's still going and he's got a quarterback that likes to be aggressive and take chances and it, it just seems like... You think he's going to coach from the golf cart? Supposedly <laughs> supposedly having a good camp there, West Jameis Winston. What are you talking about? Like last week, every article is, why is, now he's why is Todd one. Bull's defense so far ahead of Jameis Winston? Hey. I can't break. believe you boxed me out for that, uh, Claybon. I chose that thinking, well, no one's going to choose that. I don't even need a backup. Well, I know Mark who's wouldn't because choose, of the sunshine. Who's going to choose the Bucks 49ers? <laughs> but I'm with you. I'm so ex- I'm excited to see both of those teams because I think they are both mysteries. I think like that. I want to see what the 49ers offense, especially with Dante Pettis and Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman. doesn't sound like Jarek McKinnon's going to be in the mix maybe early in the year, but just – George Kittle, and then I, I think the Bucks are going to put some something on people. And I want to see Todd Bowles smiling. This is a new Todd Bowles. He's happy now. He's smiling. <laughs> I mean, that's... He's in a good mood. That'll pull me in. Season hasn't you know. started yet. He's got, like, 
uh, the youngest secondary maybe I've ever heard That's of. That's never a good thing. No. Uh, at least at, at, during practice, and there were some injuries, five of their top six defensive backs were first or second year players. That's pretty rare. Never heard. There's a reason why. Yeah, Mm. (laughs) it didn't work out. Well, Uh, maybe it will work out. How about another game for us, Greg? If that was not go for it. (laughs) Well, no, I I got a bunch, but it's your you got to pick one. (sighs) Well, 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 my backup choice was it goes against everything I believe in week one, which is I just want to see like the new everything. But I'm actually it's I just have to be real with myself. I want to see Falcons Vikings. I'm invested in both of these teams. I think it's a high qual, a potentially high quality first week game because they it's not new staffs, it's veterans on defense in Minnesota, it's a better looking offense in Minnesota, and it's a team in Atlanta that man I had a lot of ho- high hopes for last year and I was kind of rooting for and I I like who they have on defense and it just didn't work out at all and those are two teams that. I could see them in the Super Bowl. I don't know. Why not? I, I could see one of those two teams. I think they're two really good teams and established, two good quarterbacks. You're going to get a nice little high level of play, and I think you'll probably get a nice high-scoring game. That's what I'll take that week one. This I like, like Chiefs-Jaguars. Sorry, go ahead. I would say that's like the bounce-back tournament, that game. Yeah. I like Chiefs-Jaguars. I think that it's – you're going to – obviously you have Mahomes, but I, I think finally Jaguars fans can watch a game without – having their blood pressure go to the ceiling every time every time Blake Bortles gets the ball in his hands like if you're Nick Foles like I I'm rooting for him to do well and it that to me is like another team where Jacksonville needs to get out to a a, a quick start and there's a lot of questions because they've been a run heavy offense for a long time and under John DeFilippo you're trying to become something completely different with a quarterback who's never played with any of those players mm. plus like and it, all the Chiefs business. Right. It's week one. It's Andy Reid. He's like, you know, he's like Funk Master Flexes dropping bombs on people <laughs> in September. Just <laughs> like people don't know what what comes when Andy Reid's in town in, in September. I got there we go. Wait, let's uh, before you even go next, Wes, let's go to Erica Tamposi. What what game are you looking forward to week one? I don't know. Um, I should have warned you here. Well, yeah, but Patriots Steelers. Come on now. Why not? Right. Come on. That's a good you know, there's all this talk about the Steelers being like, what are they going to be with all their their missing players? You know, they're so together. Everything's going to be cool. We <laughs> Tom got, Brady fuming over got, his contract. We're going to be taping, but then this, and you'll be editing a little. But the second half, you'll be able to lock right. in a little better. Well, that's, yeah. you know, all you need is that, that TV last two minutes uh, of the game anyways. And, mm. ooh, money. I hate that as a week one game as a Patriots fan. That, yeah, that feels is. like a home loss to me, but who knows. Oh. Well, with that attitude. I'm sure you're super concerned. <laughs> Wes, sorry, what was yours there? I was going to say... How about Tamposi just on the spot nails it? Every year in the modern NFL, this this may only be true in the last three or four years, there are a handful of teams that enter the season with an offensive line that could swing their season either way. And last year, the Colts swung it the right way. They faced the Chargers this year who mm. could swing the wrong way. This team might not have Melvin Gordon. They might not have Russell Okung. They don't mm. have Tyrell Williams. I'm looking at a Chargers team that has transformed into a defense first team over an offense mm. first team. And a Colts team, I know everybody's worried about Andrew Luck, and he told Peter King, I certainly believe I'll be out there in week one. So to me, that's that's good enough for me. But the real good quote comes from Frank Reich, and talk about Mark um, was talking about his video games with his brother. Frank Reich compared playing quarterback to a video game, and he said, I know Andrew's been in some really good offenses, but 
we're going to turn him loose like he's never been turned loose before. Oh. And he said, here's an example I would use. In a video game, if you're playing quarterback, you'll see these easy targets that pop up on the screen, and they're all 100 points. They're all 100 points. They're pretty easy to hit. And every once in a while, you see a 1,000-point target pop up just for a split second. Those are the ones Andrew Luck's going to be hitting this year. Mm. There's going to be more 1,000-point targets on the field. I thought that was a cool one K Andy. Yeah. Well, what video game? I'm wondering is Frank what game Reich Frank playing? Reich is playing there, but I. I, it, I think, it sounds like a future video yeah. game. It's like whack a mole. Yeah, it feels like a yeah, it's like a, a town <laughs> fair type of game. That's a sneaky big game. Sneaky, and, sneaky big AFC game. Good and, choice. And shout out to the Colts. Uh, breaking news: They just signed uh, Deontay Foreman. They got him off of waivers from Houston. Oh. What a, that's Claybon. He just brings it wow. back around as we're wrapping up. They need a backup. I'm surprised they didn't bring you back into the studio for that. Right. One. Yeah. Pull you away Why from not, here for that. Uh, give, give Foreman a chance. Give him a shot. Who knows? They don't have much depth there. I think, uh, I think we've said it. I think uh, Claybon's come in here and uh, he's knocked it out. Tamposi. Wow. Just stepped right in with the Patriots game. A little predictable, but still good good analysis. I like it. You're, there's more football analysis on your Twitter feed lately. I like seeing that. Some fantasy rankings. Yeah, you know, fantasy is a fun game. I dig it. <laughs> Can't argue that. I dig it. <laughs> on that note, I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap this thing up here, Erica. Oh, Greg, our show streams on Thursdays for those that are interested. Uh, I think you said Wednesdays at the beginning. So if you're listening and you want to see some ATN video stuff, it is Thursdays at 2 p.m. on NFL.com. Are you going to post the Spider-Man meme? Of- I already did. Oh, yeah. she has. Okay, cool. Yeah, gotta- yeah go, go RT that. There's, there's a great pick. It's like one of the many things she did during the show while she wasn't listening to, to us speak. Wait, what, 2 p.m. Eastern? I would Pacific, call it multitasking. How about yeah. that? 2 p.m. Pacific or Eastern? I'm also drawing 3D Erica. cubes on the back of my <laughs> paper, and I'm stacking them. It's pretty funny. <laughs> It's 2 p.m. Eastern, so figure it out for the, for the rest. 11, 11 a.m. Pacific. What, what a great time. Just doing math. Have lunch and uh, watch us on Thursday. But we'll be back on Wednesday. Dan will be back in the host chair, and uh, we're three times a week for the rest of this year. For Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, Patrick Claibon, and Erica Ricky Hollywood Tamposi. See you Wednesday. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and a sudden end to the song. Yep, we got to start over. Why? Presented by SiriusXM. Oh, yeah. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal in a room filled with... Oh, sh- forgot it again. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by SiriusXM NFL Radio. I'm Greg Rosenthal in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and Patrick Claybon. What's happening? Come on.
<laughs> now, now in Tamposi. Come on. It didn't, no one's mic was on. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal in a room filled. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 